Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. We have in studio today Jay Lippy with Impact Leadership right here in Tampa Bay and Dr. Jack Clem, the president of Clearwater Christian College. Guess what town? Clearwater, Florida. <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you for being it's on the good show to be today. Here. Thanks for having us, Jim. It's great to be here with you, Jim. Dr. Clem, I know you don't really know me well, so I hope you feel that way at the end of the show. <laughs> Okay. Now, he's asked me to call him, out of disrespect, I, I don't want to be disrespectful, he's asked me to call him Jack, but just keep in mind, this guy's got a doctorate, and and I don't, and I'm never going to get one, because I don't want to, I just don't want to write one of those 700-page books on stuff that I can't read about. Okay. We're here to talk about leadership. That's what we're here to talk about. It, it's such, it is such a topic that draws unbelievable conversations in the workplace. And it is really one of the things that is lacking so much in Christ-like leadership in the workplace is missing. Absolutely. I, I would like to call it MIA. Now, that's not to say unanimously there's obviously business leaders that are out there that are doing a great job, but it's probably less than a percentage point. So I wanted to focus this whole week on leadership because it's something that we need to recognize that God really cares about our leadership. He really wants us as leaders to be an example. And, and and so, Jay, when I reached out to you, you said, you know, Jim, I really like to talk about the concept of humility in mm-hmm. leadership, which to me, that's the most 
powerful concept. The most powerful leaders are those that lead in humility. But it's also the one that people don't want to dig into because it's such a misunderstood uh, process. But since you're the host of the show, let me ask you a question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, you know, this whole thing of leadership, you know, we there's many types of leaders that we could say, well, that person's a leader, that person's a leader. Are, are you of the mindset, Jim, that everybody is a leader? Oh, absolutely. We all lead somebody. There's all, Everybody is following somebody. So then would it also follow then how you lead is not the issue, but the fact that you realize that you're a leader. That is correct. Well, yeah. if you take leadership just as in a very basic way as influence. Exactly. We, we have influence in many different venues of our life, in many different ways in our life. So by that very fact, we are we are leaders. Sure. But over the years, as I've talked to people, though, Jack, uh, to your point, they see a leader only as a certain defined individual, maybe like General Patton or right. General Custard. And, and, and then when you say, are you a leader? Most people say, no, right. I don't like to talk in front of people. And so then they shut down this whole concept, uh, and they don't even allow the Holy Spirit to begin to work through them and the possibility that maybe God's calling you to lead in a way that General Custard or General Patton would just miserably fail if they tried to do it. I think it's way easier for people to understand the concept of leadership when you look go back to high school. Now, none of us want to go back to high school, but when you think about it, there were leaders at all levels within the within high school. You know, obviously there was the principal and the vice principal, the guidance counselors. Those were the the leaders that the world sees as leaders. And there was the teachers. They were leaders, but they weren't necessarily leaders of the schools, but they were leading their classes. And there were students that were close followers of them. There was there was the jocks. There was the cheerleaders. There was the uh, uh, we call them the people that were the complete rebellious ones. We call them the fries. Those are the people that were they were experimenting with several alter mind altering chemicals on the campus, but people were following them. There were the tech geeks. You know, the computers were coming into into place when I was in high school. I know. I'm sure. Did, had you guys heard about computers when you no, were in high school? No, we actually. I actually had the chisel and stone. I bet. But I bet both of you worked on an abacus, though. Did either of you learn on an abacus? Can you spell that? I, I did actually. You did. White, I used whiteout for my. For my, my yes. All right. So so you know I I had a calculator in high school, but you know anyway. So but we all so there was all these different leadership groups, but. What you always found is that the, even if somebody was one of the ones that people would consider, oh, that, they're kind of an outcast, there was always somebody following, following them. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So at every level of our, of our culture, there's leadership. Mm-hmm. All right, but before, so well, let's I'll, keep I'll, that as a foundation then for, for, for throughout this entire conversation. I want to keep it. I want to go back to that. But, but as it, because it is my show, I want to go back to the basis of every conversation is I never pre- bring people on my show whose lives haven't been impacted by Jesus Christ, because I want you to speak from the authority that Jesus Christ has impacted your life. So, Jack, just talk about how Christ has impacted your life. Yes. When I was uh, in high school, I, I was brought to uh, understanding of the gospel, and I grew up in a Roman Catholic home and um, had a lot of questions about, you know, what's the difference between my Roman Catholicism and and uh, this gospel I'm hearing about from, from the scriptures. And it wasn't until the Lord brought me to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 and 12, where I, I read in the text there that every priest, every man stands daily offering the same sacrifice for sin, which can never, t- you know, 
effectively pay the debt of sin. But this man, speaking of Jesus Christ, he took he made one offering of himself forever and sat down at the right hand of of the Father. And I thought, well, that's it. That's exactly it. And uh, that's the difference that I've been looking for. And so at that point, I put my faith and trust in Christ, and I really just began to grow from that point on, and and just see the Lord shape me and and uh, put me into various positions of opportunity and leadership, and and uh, to the to the point that uh, now I'm directing a college and never thought I would do that. But A, a uh, great college, too. It, Fantastic yes. college. All right, Jay, what about you? February 12, 1978, I was a young sailor in the United States Navy, and uh, actually for the first time in my life, uh, and I'm not being facetious, met a born-again believer, my roommate. And I look back on God's sense of humor, but his name was Noah, and I actually met him in the Navy. And uh, <laughs> But Noah joined the Navy because he knew he would have a captured audience to share Christ. And I was his roommate, and he shared Christ with me over a period of about four months. And uh, February 12, 1978, uh, I accepted Christ as my Savior. Fantastic. That's just great. Yeah, because you're stuck in those little bunk rooms in a, in, yeah. on a ship. Did yep. you? Were you on a destroyer? No, on I was aircraft? in aviation, and I had the privilege of not being on a ship. Oh. Well, I, was, the, I was in Airedale. Oh, but aren't, don't the planes land on the ships? Well, sure you do, but I was NAS. And for anybody in the Navy that's out there hearing, hearing me, they know all about what I'm talking. I didn't have to go out. So, so the rest of us don't un- understand, so that's okay <laughs> for us, I guess. Okay. I didn't have the privilege of serving. Okay. All right. So going back to the basis of leadership. So everybody's a leader. So go ahead, pick pick that up again. Well, as we were talking, though, today's topic of of humility, then, what happens is that, uh, as I've talked to leaders all over the place, in the church, outside the church, believers, non-believers, and I asked them, if if you were to live out the concept of humility in your job, in leadership, as it's been taught at church, or however you've had it taught it, how would that work out? Over and over and over again, people say they'd have their job maybe a week, two weeks at the most, because they'd just be completely run over. And so, therefore... By not understanding what real biblical humility is in leadership, we force a lot of people to live in duality, and therefore, they, they live in dissonance. As we do on each show, we, it's time to highlight a, a book, one that I believe will impact, deepen the impact that Christ is making on your life. This section is sponsored, as always, by Caris Christian Books and Gifts. The name of the book that we're highlighting today is called Be Real by Rick Bazette. He's a pastor. And it's be real because fake is exhausting. We live in a world of fakers. Rather than being real with each other, we present we present a carefully crafted persona that hides our faults and magnifies our good qualities. But inside, we long to be loved, warts and all. We long to stop hiding from each other and especially from God. With candor and clarity, Pastor Rick Bazette calls leaders to a life built on authenticity, showing that the way to true freedom lies through reclaiming our hearts, reviving our souls, and renewing our minds in light of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. I just finished this book a couple of weeks ago. It is very good. Two of my core values are transparency and vulnerability. That's all about being real. You can't make the impact you need to make without transparency and vulnerability. That's how Jesus impacted everybody he touched. So, I recommend that you get the book and that you read it, and don't wait for the movie. Okay, we're back live and in studio. We've got Jay Lippy with Impact Leadership, and we've got Dr. Jack Clem of Clearwater Christian College. Gentlemen, back to our discussion on humility and leadership. Absolutely. 
it is uh, when we went into this talking about a lot of people have a misconception about what humility is in leadership and somehow they take humility to mean that I have to be very passive or it means that I have to always let other people go first and and I think that's really uh, an inaccurate view sometimes that might be true Uh, but what about for the person whose personality type is uh, an A-type personality or they're absolutely that aggressive leader Uh, to ask them to just sit there and keep their mouth shut is really kind of uh, an impossible task because that's not how God has wired them. Even duct tape can't do that. That's exactly (laughs) right. And so one of my favorite stories uh, to kind of heighten my point is Joseph. And when uh, Joseph uh, is, he comes out of prison and he's now interpreting a dream for Pharaoh and Pharaoh, he interprets it correctly. And Pharaoh turns around to all of his wise men and he says, has anybody seen anybody as wise as Joseph? And they're all sitting there going, no, Pharaoh, can't think I, I don't think I've known anybody as smart as him. And has, is there anybody as wise as Joseph? No, he's, he's pretty wise. And he turns around to Joseph and he said, Joseph, I'm going to make you the most powerful man on all of Egypt, second only to me. And I'm going to put your ring and he puts a signet on his finger. Now, the way that I typically hear humility is Joseph should have then said, oh, you know, thank you for the compliments, Pharaoh, but that's not really true. I mean, I, I, I study hard, I've worked hard, but I'm not really the wise. It was all God. And, and we find ways to deflect things. Now, hear me out, because I'm not trying to get somebody to be arrogant. What Joseph did is he had a proper understanding of who he was. And as a result, he didn't have his own agenda. And so when Pharaoh put him in this seat of exalted power and control, could you imagine of all the outlying branches? So now Joseph makes this edict about saving the grain. And here you are, uh, 500 miles outside of the city limits, and you get this uh, email uh, from this new Jew who just got out of prison, who's the second most powerful guy in the most powerful country in the world. And he says, you're going to do this. I can imagine that every one of them said, oh, yeah, hey, let's do that. That sounds like a great idea. Joseph, I'm sure, came down with some very hard decisions. He made some very big time leadership decisions and just let out. As a result, he saved the entire nation uh, of of Egypt and Israel from the famine, etc. But he used the power, he used the control, and he used his lofty position of leadership in a very humble way because he wasn't exalting his own agenda. Instead, he knew God had put him in that position and to back away would have been false humility and a terrible stench. The truth of the matter is, if Joseph would have said, no, Pharaoh, put one, put, you know, you've got all these men who've grown up under your entire leadership, put another Egyptian there. They should be that. Joseph, in, in actuality, would have been saying to God, you don't know what you're doing. You, you raised me up to put me in. God, I'm not going to do it. That's arrogance. So true humility at times could be an aggressive seizing of the reins saying, I'm called to do this. I'm equipped to do this. God has positioned me in this time in my life to do this. For me not to step forward and take reins of this company, to take reins of this training, to take reins of this position would absolutely be uh, saying to God uh, that he doesn't know what he's doing. Jack, comment on that. Well, I I think that uh, the... uh the essence of what you're saying is it resonates with me very deeply. I was reading um, in preparation for our time together, and in addition, we at the college are really trying to organize student life and all that we do uh, in a virtue-based kind of way. So we're talking a lot about the virtues of humility and and uh, uh, love and hope yeah. and, and, and so forth. And uh, in the one work I was reading, which I think this definition goes right along with what you're saying, Jay, is uh, it's by it's in Humilitas by John Dixon. He says, humility is the noble choice to forego your status, 
deploy your resources or use your influence for the good of others before yourself. Yeah. And I think in, in, in many ways, I think that's what Joseph is doing. So I, I think that the only thing that would, I, I think, be a concern or a caveat for me in that description, Jay, is that, I mean, there could be, that could, that kind of aggressive taking of the reins could be done in such a way for self-promotion. Right. You no, know, the, the whole point here. The, yeah. And no, it's just that, a really, I mean, it's a very delicate, fine line, isn't he it? He understood who he was. He understood yeah. that God was in control and he was living out God's agenda in a very, in, in that manner. However, saying that, though, being aggressive doesn't mean that you that you're not putting other people first. And I saw that in, in your notes yeah. actually. And I I'm glad you brought that point. It made that that point clear because that is true. It's about putting the needs of others uh, first and serving them. But you can do that aggressively and fiercely with 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 a great sense of humility and and passion and kindness. Matter of fact, a lot of times in business. People are just longing for somebody to care for them authentically. Yeah. <laughs> That's know? for sure. And so to have somebody step forward and say, we, you're back to your virtues and your core values, when you know what those things are and you're fighting for those things and you're fighting for, for justice, who you are, the, the arrogance of the individual does not come forth. Rather, yeah. you're fighting for what is right. 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 So well, every wisdom you. tradition, you know, historically, every wisdom tradition would just uh, really uh, look with disdain on ego and a power yeah. ethic and, and that sort of approach to life and leadership. And I think, uh, you know, again, Dixon goes on to say humility presupposes three things. Number one, your dignity. Yeah. In other words, you're, you're, you're working from like Joseph worked from a position of strength. In a sense, you know, so here he is yeah. called by God in this place, in this position. So he's, you know, he's not uh, uh, looking down on that or he's not using his position in a in a uh, power driven kind of a way. Uh, he's willing, you know, in other words, uh, you know, if it's a choice. He's he's yes. using his power and his resources for the good of ultimately Israel. And then of course, it's social. You know, you're looking beyond just your own benefit. Okay, so contrast that. Contrast how Joseph responded to God's calling and Moses. How Moses responded to God's calling because Moses had that reaction that you said, yeah. where God said, Some "Here's sort what I've speech. Yeah, yeah. Here, here's what I've chosen you to do. I've chosen you to go back to the to rescue the Israelites out of Egypt and blow up. No, 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 no. You got the wrong guy. See you later, bye. You know. Yeah. yeah. Of course, he was talking to a tree that was on fire that wasn't burning. That might have been a little intimidating, but talk, compare and contrast that because Moses. Was a re- he reluctantly took those reins, and he eventually did a phenomenal job, and God called him his friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not, you know, and, and David was a man after God's own heart. Moses was a friend of God. We're not, we're not given any of those things of, about Joseph, but we know that Joseph was an amazingly merciful guy because he didn't, didn't yeah. retaliate to his brothers who had sold him into slavery. And, you know, I mean, I mean he had... Wisdom from God, he could truly see God's hand in his circumstances. But yet you also have the beautiful picture of Ruth, who lays at the feet of Boaz to warm his feet and says to his mother, you know, to her mother-in-law, you know, your people will be my people, your God will... You know, the point that I'm trying to make here is the point that we were making early on. People lead in different manners. And so when you are given the opportunity and God creates a door for you to walk through that allows you to be the CEO of a corporation... You shouldn't sit there. If God's opened that door and say, oh, no, I should let somebody else do that, you should step forward. However, like Moses or like Ruth, to, to humbly sit there and, and, and pull back, that's another type of leadership, effective as it is, 
But that doesn't rule out the fact that sometimes leadership means that you're pushed to the front. And if that's what God's calling you to do, to not take that responsibly and intentionally, I, I think is really false humility. Well, I like the way you guys talked about how, you know, you could go ahead and take the reins even strongly. But when it, you're, you're pursuing it, as you said, uh, using your influence for the good of others. Yes. You know, and that's what we missed. That's what's missing in our yes, country yes. today. I mean, that's what, when you look at what happened in the 2000s, really from the from the uh, the dot-com explosion to the real estate explosion in 2008, people were in leadership, yeah. and that's in our Congress. Ugh, throw them all out. That's in our presidencies, multiples of them. They were doing things that were for their own self-interest. They weren't thinking of the others, because if they were thinking of us... Right. We wouldn't have had that problem. Right. Do right. you have that quote for the Brigadier Jump from Australia? Yes. Uh, yeah, it's in here. Um, well, let me let me search through my notes to okay. find that. But I, I think the, the It's point- pretty sad we got to go all the way to Australia to get a good quote <laughs> on leadership. <laughs> yeah. Well, here it is. Um, he says, it's maximizing other people's potential. Exactly. Mm. See, that takes great intentionality on the on the part of a leader to seek out those ones who need to be lifted out, and then you go after them. I mean, that I love that kind of leadership. Say mm. that again. Re, re, uh, who's a quote? This who's is a quote a Brigadier Jim Wallace. He's the former head oh. of the Australian Special Forces, and he's talking about uh, here. The context is leadership. Leadership is about motivating and inspiring others, and he says um, it is maximizing other people's potential. Yeah, and, and of course that can be done in a humble way. I mean, sure. you can only do that in a, with a, a sense of humility and others exactly in, in focus and in mind. And I, and I think that's really what's missing in leadership training in today's country. A lot of times, people think the leaders are supposed to still be doing day to day work, but no, leaders are supposed to be investing in people right. on a day to day basis. That is their full job is investing in people. All right, we stopped a great conversation, but that's what commercials do. Mm-hmm. You were about ready to read me another quote, mm-hmm. and, and let's just read first of all. The, the, you said that leadership maximizes other people's potential. Yes. And I started getting on my soapbox about the fact that most leaders today think it's for their glory and for their honor and for their big, fat, stinking paychecks. Mm-hmm. When people that are put in leadership are put there to make an investment in the people below them so that those people can rise to their maximum potential and so that the perpetuation plan for the company is being fulfilled within. But most leaderships are so silo-based, they're so focused on themselves that when they decide to go, it leaves a vacuum of leadership. Yes. Well, before Jack does this, that's First Peter 4.10. Mm-hmm. We're all given a spiritual gift to serve others. We are equipped, we're gifted, we're called to do great things, but to to draw people out and let us do that through them. And so that's what why we're gifted spiritually is what, what Peter said. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Jack, you were... Yeah, no, no, this <laughs> no, is good. that's good. No, this is good stuff. And uh, yeah, not, not to go biblical on you or anything. <laughs> no, no, that's exactly what we should be doing. That's why we've got biblical scholars in the studio today and yeah, not me. Yeah, no. Well, this has been a great discussion. And of course, as I mentioned earlier, this is the kind of thing that we're wanting to distinguish ourselves with at Clearwater Christian College. And we're talking a lot about virtue. We're talking about uh, that being the thing that really does govern us. We're talking about virtue as being really a fruit of the gospel. And uh, so when we're digging into this this particular virtue of humility, it is amazing when you begin to think about it as we all venture in, we do the reading, and we realize that great leaders were really very humble persons. And they were not people who were were, uh, using their authority in a dictatorial way or in a despotic way, but they're using it really to, to draw out the strength and the abilities of others. 
And uh, that's a weighty responsibility because, you know, we're broken sinners and we love to uh, feed our egos and we love to provide uh, a cushy way of life for us. But anyway, when I, when I was reading this book on, uh, on leadership by John Dixon, he talks about uh, persuasion and example as really the heart of leadership. And, and of course, we might be able to debate that and uh, see whether or not those are really the two things that are the heart of leadership. But he says this, because leadership is fundamentally relational, Effective communication and building trust are key aspects of all relationships. Leaders are fully cognizant of the fact that their role is not a series of mechanical tasks, but a set of human interactions. Well, and, that, and that's really the point that I was making as we were closing out the last half hour. You judge, we should judge leaders not by what they accomplish, but by the people that they've impacted. Yes. Because... If you look at great leaders in the history of our country, you look at the people that they spun off. Mm-hmm. Those That's how you judge a great leader. You don't judge a great leader by what they've accomplished because then it's all about them. It's the investment they make in people so that you can, again, rise up great leaders. And that's what we're missing. We're missing that perpetuation plan and our leadership training. So that's why we hear from you two guys. Okay, so you get Clearwater Christian College. You said you have a business program, Jack. Yes, we do have a business program. How long program. have you guys had a business program? Uh, the exact date uh, I would not be able to give you, but it's been in existence probably about 15 or so years. Okay. And it's probably one of the stronger majors that we have have there at the school. Okay. And uh, so we've, we've graduated uh, a number of uh, just outstanding leaders who've gone into business, uh, accounting, and uh, various aspects of that business field. But one of the things that we're trying to do at Clearwater with this whole virtue, gospel centrality, uh, connecting with uh, people like Jay Lippy and Impact Tampa Bay and Impact Leadership, is we're trying to show the students one of our core values that we're really trying to emphasize is missions and missional living. And that um, God is on mission, we need to be on mission. And so we're, we're really taking tearing down the barriers that the Bible department guys are the guys who prepare for ministry and do the Lord's work, yeah. and the business guys are the guys that pay for it. Well, and that's and that's been the problem in the church for the last 50 or 60 years. Oh, absolutely. Somehow we did that bifurcation of, of workplace. I, I, I don't, that's not even the right word, probably, but we we somehow got to that. We started using business people to help lead our boards and write big checks, right? right. Instead of equipping them and preparing them to, to do, do ministry, the, the ministry helps. Yeah, yeah. because it's true. Familiar. Because pastors see a lot less people than the business people. Well, well, we've created a whole generation of business leaders who are frustrated. They're feeling like, well, I can't serve the Lord. Uh, you know, I, I wish I could serve the Lord like you're serving the Lord. Yeah. As they talk to a missionary or a pastor or or a, a Bible college student or a seminary student, and that's that's unfortunate. I, well, I think it is. That's back to the duality thing. Yeah. It, it, there's nothing that frustrates me faster than to talk to somebody and have them say, well, I'm retiring or I'm selling my business or as soon as I you know, turn this age and I can do it, then I'm going to go into full-time ministry. And I think, right. you, you poor soul, you've lived your entire life not being able to be in ministry. You've wasted the best years of your life. When in truth, God's saying, I want to use you right where you are right now in your job because God calls people to be attorneys. He calls them to be doctors. He calls them to be moms. He calls them into all kinds of facets of work. And that is full time. It's not the calling. I'm sorry. It's not the actual task that makes it uh, sacred. It's the calling of God on the life of the individual that makes it sacred. Well, and, and I got to tell you, you know, I grew up in the Free Church of America up in, in, in upper Midwest and uh, Martha and I, my wife, we were at a youth conference in July of 1979, and the pastor gave a, 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 an invitation for commitment to full-time Christian ministry. And of course, what I interpreted full-time Christian ministry was I was going to get paid to do ministry. Mm-hmm. And 
they never explained what that really meant. But what was hilarious is was shortly after that that I was enrolled in seminary, Bethel Bethel Seminary up in St. Paul, and God sent the pastor of my church and said, Jim, I'm not quite sure that you could handle having 400 bosses. We need lay people. We need lay people to do ministry. And he understood the concept that I could do ministry, but he wasn't thinking about the workplace. He was thinking he could use me to do ministry on the campus of the church. But it wasn't until years later that I understood I could do ministry every day in business. Yeah. And and I saw that in the insurance business because I prayed with people at their kitchen table selling them insurance, which you could do in Minnesota. You can't do that here. But no, you could pray with people here, but you can't make enough money selling insurance at people's kitchen tables here in Florida. But it was we need to start telling people from the pulpit every Sunday that those people are just as called and just as important to the ministry of Jesus Christ as those that get, that get well, called to Indonesia. And on top of that, though, then a lot of times when I talk to business leaders, they, they haven't been to Bible college, they haven't been to seminary, so they think that they're not capable of being, quote, in full-time ministry. They can't quote scripture. And what I don't understand is where did the concept that if you're a business owner and you have two or three people working for you and you're providing a good living for them that they're able to send their kids to college and they can take their families on vacation and, and they're in love with their their spouse, but all the, well, yeah, and the money that they make by working with you in a great atmosphere, why is that not a godly thing to do to provide all those kinds of a good of a good living of a good work environment? I think that is just as godly sometimes, maybe more so than quoting scripture to somebody. But you need to tell them why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't just give somebody a great wage and provide a great job for them. You need to tell them I'm doing this because it's, it's, Jesus it's Christ and. has made an impact on my life. Most times we think it's either or. It's both and. Oh, right? absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so we talked about how, just the beginning of how Clearwater Christian College is being intentional in raising up those business leaders, but I want to talk in more detail about it, but okay, so we'll do that. We'll, we'll get to Jay this, after the next break, but <laughs> what are you doing intentionally in your business program to incorporate workplace ministry values so that people know when they graduate, they're going into full-time ministry, whether they're going to be an accountant, whether they're going to be an engineer, whether they're going to be whatever the business degrees, management, how are you doing that intentionally? Yeah. Well, we're, we're doing it in a variety of ways. Well, first of all, it's it's a message. It's it's a change in culture. It's a brand in a sense. It's a, it's a big sweeping vision that we're trying to uh, put before the students and, and let them see that missional living is really their first and primary call and that the opportunistic platform that they have happens to be business. It might be working for Raymond James. It might be working for a, a hospital. It might be working for some Fortune 500 company, or it might be working in some entrepreneurial enterprise. But we want them to understand. So we are we are teaching, we are preaching, we are encouraging them to see that that they're on mission. Number one. Now we're not trying to dilute mission or living from missions. We we want to preserve what the Bible has to say about the work of missions, which is evangelism, discipleship, and the building of the church. But we want to also impress upon the students this whole concept of missional living. So we're doing that. Then secondly, we're bringing into the classroom uh, individuals who are doing that. And so as they get the the content, we're, we're introducing them to business leaders. And of course, my connection now with Jay is just opening the door for us to have just so many more. I'm just impressed with so many godly business leaders who are here in this area who are doing this kind of thing. All right, we've been talking a very fast-paced conversation about the concept of humility as it relates to leadership. And right before the break, we were talking about how Clearwater Christian College right here in Clearwater, Florida, is intentionally building into their curriculum a process for instilling the vision of workplace ministry on their students as they graduate with business degrees. Now, Jay, I want to talk about now, now those kids have graduated and now they're in the workplace. 
Impact Leadership, uh, formerly known as LifeWork Leadership right here in Tampa Bay, but being part of Impact Tampa Bay, you've been instilling those values in business leaders and, and not just people that own businesses, but people that are involved right. in business for how many years? This is our eighth year. Eight years. And okay. We've had over 330 people go through our process, which has just been an honor. I've been able to to, to personally witness all th- over 300 of them. But specifically in the last three years, we've had roughly 150 executives go through impact leadership. And so we started testing and saying, hey, you know, are we, are we really achieving what it is we're saying we're supposed to do? And so in the last three years... 150 executives, they say uh, by 40%, they're now able to express a biblical worldview where they weren't before. And that's one of the things that really struck my heart with Jack about that. You have to have a biblical worldview. If you don't think right, then what you're thinking really doesn't matter. Right. And so 40%, we've increased that. We've also increased their understanding of God's call on their lives by 34%. So we've been able to kind of shift this a little bit and saying what we were just talking about the last segment. Ministry is where God uses you to help other people. Where you do that is up to God. You just need to be obedient and serve. So we've been increased that by 34%. And we've been able to increase uh, their leadership influence at work by 35%. And so I'm really proud of those numbers because the process and what we take people through, it's uh, Impact Leadership. And you can find all the information on our website at impacttampabay.com. And just go to the Impact Leadership tab right there at the top. And you can see our brochure. You'll find our value proposition. There's videos in there of classmates that we've had come through and they give their own personal testimonies. But the process starts in October. We meet once a month for five hours, the first Tuesday of the month. And we work all the way through uh, to May. Gordon McDonald will be with us this year. Dr. Henry Richie, Richard Blackaby will be back with us again. Ed Cobb will be spoken. Uh, Dwight Bain from over in Orlando is going to be talking about worldview. We've got some great, um, oh, good grief, um, Campus Crusade. Uh, Brad Bright is going to be with us in the opening retreat. And phenomenal. If you've ever had a chance to talk to Brad. I have not. That dude will just rock your socks, I tell so you. So you've got Blackaby coming back. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I want you to work out it where you can bring him onto the show that <laughs> night that he comes in to speak. I mean, that would be awesome. The fastest one hour of my life was this past year. I got to sit like a foot away from Dr. Henry Blackaby and grill him with question after question. He was the most delightful champion for Christ. I just love that, man. It was it was great yeah i know that i have heard incredible things and i hate to even admit this on the air but i have i have never gone through experiencing god i've experienced god the hard way i should have read the book it might have been a lot easier okay so this concept of humility in leadership yeah is such a weird concept because a lot of people as we talked about at the beginning of the show this false humility oh that's you know let's let somebody else do that you know i i love what you said jack this Humility in leadership maximizes other people's potential. Hmm. That's powerful. Oh, it is. And that's what Jesus did. He is the one that modeled the concept of humility in leadership better than anyone. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, you opened up the show by quoting Romans 12.2. I did. I wanted to go to Romans 12.3, though. I had that highlighted right here for you. Uh, but it says, and Paul says, that we're not supposed to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that we're not supposed to think highly of ourselves if God is called, equipped, and created us to do something. And so that comes back to a C.S. Lewis quote that I know you liked. C.S. Lewis said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Mm -hmm. That is important. And so as a strong, dynamic, out front, bold leader, you can be all those things with the characteristics that Jack was talking about. Tender hearted, 
kind, thoughtful, where you're extracting from others the things that they can't extract from themselves. And, and because you're not the issue, it's not your agenda, and it's not your ego that's on display, you can, you can just really be, and again, I'm going to use the word aggressive, in a very kind way that's humble and tenored and Christ-centered. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I'm going to turn the conversation on you. And I know, Jack, you're about ready to comment, but I'm going to turn the conversation on you guys because here's I want business leaders and, and people that are managers of people to understand the value of leading in humility because mm-hmm. there is huge payback in the value of humility as a leader. Can you guys identify what... The, I mean, I'm going to go with this. I've got some ideas in my head, but when you look, if somebody leads with true humility, what are the value, what's the value they're going to reap from the people that they lead? Hmm. Well, you're going to see, obviously, they're, they're flourishing as a person. You're going to see their growth and their development and the joy that, uh, uh, that comes you know, to us as we watch them grow and, and mature and take ownership and leadership of it. And I think uh, you know, understanding who you are in Christ and how you've been made in His image and likeness yeah, um, enables you to have that kind of selfless view of others. Otherwise, you're going to be constantly envious. Of yeah. oh they're getting ahead of me or I I don't do it as well as they would do it or uh, they I could have done it better those kind of attitudes run through our minds and our hearts all right so you're going to see that general people are going to feel better about who they are the thing that I want to say is I, I I'm telling you it will impact your bottom line money wise it will improve your profit. By investing in people, well, by sure. leading with humility. Conflict resolution goes down, time away from work goes down, productivity goes up, and the sweetness of serving each other. You know, we were talking earlier uh, about the plurality of leadership, and that so many times we think we it's, it's about me, I'm the man. No, Christ, he's the man. And our, our joy is to serve him. But what happens is that when we truly are living out our lives, um, we know what our spiritual gifts are. And Jack, I agree with him. When we know who we are, we know whose we are, and we know the proper priority of that, what happens then is that I can very tenaciously say, Jim, this is your area of expertise. If I lead out, we're going to mess up. This is your turn to serve. How can I serve you as you lead out? And what happens then in the plurality of the beauty of that, the body of Christ just flourishes because it's not about me. It's about building the body and the kingdom. Hmm. People, the loyalty you will gain out of people, too. If you treat them, if you treat them with a humble spirit as a leader, yeah. you'll bring things out of them that they didn't even know they had inside of them. Yeah. It's, it's powerful. Yeah, it is. Why does our world miss it? I mean, why, why are they missing this concept? Well, I think, uh, you know, it's just the, the power of pride, the blindness, the darkness of, of our own pride. Uh, I think, you know, we, we started the program talking a little bit about uh, uh, the nature of a leader and so forth. And I think, uh, uh, you know, you just see so many broken models of leadership that are, are power-driven or authority-laden or uh, self-centered. And, uh, you know, I think it is the, just the darkness of, uh, of our own sinfulness that keeps us from really genuinely seeing the benefit uh, of life in Christ. And then, of course, uh, uh, this particular virtue lived out as it's produced in us by the power of the gospel. And to take it to the business side uh, from Mr. Academia over here. <laughs> However, if, if, if you try to do something without any power, you cannot get it done. If you do not have control, it's a lot harder to get something done. The difference is, are you under the control of the Holy Spirit and are using, and I know Jack agrees with me, but are you using that power, that position of leadership and that influence 
for the cause of Christ and to influence others. Mm-hmm. And that's you know, this is a conversation that could go on and on and on because sometimes God has to humble a leader in order to bring out that humility oh, yeah. in leadership. And that's a whole other topic, that adversity topic. But as we come to the end of another I Work For Him show, I know, we're out of time. Picture this, if you will. I've been talking all the commercials all day. The, the sun is shining. The clear blue ocean waves are passing by as we talk about the Royal Caribbean brilliance of the seas cruise ship going you like from Tampa and top. I like the snow, but we're talking about the I work for him cruise your way to a better marriage retreat, and that's coming up in February fifth through the ninth, two thousand and fifteen. I'd like to invite you personally, you and your spouse, to come along and invest in your marriage along with. 20 other couples that want to do the same thing, but do it on a cruise ship on their way to Cozumel and back. Please join Martha and I as we go out, find out all the details about the cruise at iworkforhim.com, iwork4him.com. On tomorrow's I Work For Him show, we'll be continuing our discussion on this week's theme, leadership. Martha and I will be talking about the traits of a great Christian leader. We've both picked nine traits that we'd love to see in every Christian leader. We're going to battle it out to see what our top five are, and we've picked I know we both go, have picked Martha, one. Go. That's right. Go, go, Martha, go. Okay, okay. Come on. I should, I, come on, come on. All right. The I Work For Him show is all about purposefully equipping vibrantly effective Christ followers in the workplace and supporting the vision of the I Work For Him show. I'm looking for those business leaders all over Tampa Bay that want to be part of the mission we called I Work For Him. I'll put your information on our website. You'll hear about it all over our radio program. I'm looking for those partners, those strategic business partners, to partner with Martha and I in the I Work For Him program. On our I Work For Him website, you'll find tons of great resources, including the show schedule, the guest schedule, and recommending reading resources for incorporating Christ into your workplace. Jay, Jack, thanks very much for a great oh, discussion thanks, today. Thanks, it's great Pleasure. to be with you. Yeah, I know. We could have used a little work. bit more time. Yeah, we could have. <laughs> but we'll bring you back. I like this conversation. <laughs> the next time, maybe we'll have, we can record two shows in a row or something like that. You're listening to the I Work For Him show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower who owns my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.